Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Lead Wealth Coach up here at Total Wealth Academy with the Wednesday radio show. Hope y'all are having a great week. Today is June 7th, 2023, and we are live out of KSCV here in Houston. As always, we start off with the quote from Albert Einstein, which is the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. What are you stuck on and what is your ultimate roadblock right now that is preventing you from doing the thing that it is that you want to do. That is ultimately, at any given time, your biggest challenge. And there's a quote that we have up in our office that says, the the thing that's keeping you from being successful is the BS story that you keep telling yourself as to why you can't achieve it. Because when there's nothing new under the sun, there's also no new excuses under the sun. So whatever it is that you're stuck on has been sticking people for thousands of years. And that means that people have gotten past it to for thousands of years. And maybe at this point, and I say maybe, but probably at this point, and really in all likelihood, yes, this is the truth at this point, it's a smaller proportion of people that don't push past those bar- barriers because most people are they're just not doing that they're getting stuck on the fear of something happening and it's always a very ambiguous fear and okay not always but in most situations when i talk to people and i ask them and start really getting down to the brass tacks because this becomes a very candid conversation So these don't happen often because most conversations are are beating around the bush in, for the lack of a better term, in one sense or the other. And I understand why society has that demand and expectation because a lot of these candid conversations discuss things that are pretty intense. But... When you start getting into these candid conversations every now and then and you start to get to the fears that people talk about, they're they're not concrete. They're very ambiguous. They're a boogeyman in and of themselves to the mind and how they are perceived. In other words, there's there could be a reasonable fear, but they're compounded with all these other unknowns and all these other variables And our understanding of that fear itself becomes a fear, too. What I'm saying here is that we create an expansion of what is otherwise a normal, rational fear. So when people talk about jumping out of the plane is what my dad talks about a lot, or crossing the street is what I like to talk about. There are ways for us to take those quote-unquote risks and have a great experience by being prepared. You can jump out of an airplane thousands of feet into the air 
and survive the experience without a single injury, assuming that you have a parachute, assuming that you know how to use the dang parachute, and if case the default parachute, the first parachute doesn't work, you have a professionally packed secondary parachute that literally has to be packed by someone with years upon years of experience. I don't know the exact qualifications for it, but the person that packs the emergency chute is a extremely experienced person that has basically packed a parachute that is guaranteed to open. You should you should have packed your first parachute well. If that doesn't open for whatever reason, you've got the emergency one, and then you're in good shape. And crossing the street, we're going to cross the street by looking both ways. And then you start to step, look again most likely. And you're going to keep your eyes to the side, sideways view, all the way across to the other side. You're not going to cross the street by keeping your eyes closed, plugging your ears, and just hoping for the best. When you have a specific goal in mind, that's not what you're going to do. Your goal is to get to the other side of the street, so you're not going to go off in ignorance when you take this endeavor. So when we talk about real estate during a radio show, that is by and large, for a very big part, a sales pitch for real estate. That's part of what we are doing here. We're talking about people that are afraid of real estate. People are afraid of investing because they don't want to have the bad landlord experience is one of the number one. And then really the number one, I would say that's number two, but the number one is the fear of losing money. And I'm just going to spoil something for everybody. Every single person that I've ever met that is invested in real estate has, guess what? Lost some money at some stage of the game. And when you go onto YouTube and HDTV and they don't tell you about those challenges or those losses, I think that creates a very unrealistic expectation. And that's not to say that they've been huge catastrophic losses or anything like that. By comparison to other investments, they've been relatively minor, relatively easy to recover from by comparison from the other things that I've heard about. Every single person that's done this for any substantial period of time has had a couple challenges that they weren't necessarily expecting. So sometimes things don't go the way that you plan them. But the thing is, why would these people keep doing real estate if all it did was cause them to lose money? If it ended up being unprofitable for them because they just kept losing money. Nobody would continue to do real estate if that was the case. People are doing real estate because, as it turns out, it's extremely profitable in the vast majority of situations, and chances are what happened in the situations where it went sideways was probably something you were responsible for. I know in my experience that was the case, and I think for the vast majority of people I've talked to, that was the case as well. You didn't vet someone right. You didn't stay on top of somebody correctly. You didn't manage your rehab correctly. You didn't vet your tenant correctly. You didn't basically lead up to getting them the application correctly. You didn't market it correctly. I mean, one of the biggest things that I hear when it comes to marketing is that people don't put a front sign in the front yard. 
you always have to put a sign in your front yard when you're marketing your house. Just a sign that's perpendicular to the street so people can see it when they're driving on the other side of the street and driving on the other one. So people see it from the other side of the street. They see the sign, they call, and that's how the majority of my renters that I've been experienced with have been referrals from people that have lived in the neighborhood or families that were like, hey, I want my son or daughter and their family to live near me. So don't forget to put your sign up in your yard. We will be right back. This is a Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. We'll be right back after the break, so stay tuned. put money in the bank or pay your insurance premium, they take that money and go buy real estate with it. Why? Because it gives the highest rate of return and is the lowest risk. This is called passive investing. Due to some recent changes in the laws, you can now invest the exact same way. Total Wealth Academy can show you how. Visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend our free sample class on real estate investing. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Total Wealth Academy Wednesday radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, the lead wealth coach up here at TWA. So last week, I was running a quick mathematical experiment to show the time returns that come from different rates of return. And what I went ahead and did now over the break was do the calculations for the Two and complete them. And these were the expectations. Now, this was somebody that's making $84,000 a year. And after all expenses, they are able to literally save and invest a quarter of that. So $21,000. And I'm not just saying this because this is realistic for most people's situations, but I'm just using it as an illustration to show what can happen if all you're doing with that amount is putting it into either the stock market or real estate. Everybody's situation is different. Maybe some people can save more. Maybe some people can save a little bit less because maybe you have higher income than 84000 or you have lower income, but you have significantly lowered expenses for whatever reason. But this person is able to invest 21000 a year. And the goal is to get to $1 million dollars as soon as possible. And all this person is doing is investing the same amount year over year over year. And logically, as you have more to invest, you'd invest more year over year and therefore your rates will be compounded. So the time frame for both of these would really be a little bit less. But if somebody is making the 7% rate of return, which is the higher end of the stock market over the last 78 years. And it's 78 years that I start with because that's the end of World War II in 1945. So that's, we're talking about the current epoch in human history, which is the post-World War II world and the most peaceful overall period of time in human history ever. So that's where we're at. And after compounding it, adding up to 21,000 every year and 7% each year, it took 5, 10, 15, 20, 21 years 
to reach over a million dollars, right? At a million, seven thousand dollars. So you're dealing with the ups and downs of the stock market with all of that, the high volatility of the stock market, which is part of the stock market. And there's no way around that. There's no such thing as a stock that forever goes up anymore than on the flip side, there's a stock that always goes down. I guess if you, you would still have to say if there's a business that straight up goes out of business, then yeah, they're, they're gone. But you're going to deal with the ups and downs during that period of time with that average of the 7%. So that would take somebody a full 21 years. But if they invested instead in real estate and just passive investing, and someone is getting the lower end of what our passive investors get, which is 20, 21%. So I did 21% to say, hey, this is three times the rate of return. It takes this person, on the other hand, 5, 10, 12 years to get to over a million dollars. So, and and with the amount that it was at over a million dollars, it, it'd really be more like 11 to actually hit that actual million. So we're, we're right at with these, it's a 10-year difference. So by investing your money in something that gets a, 21% rate of return versus a 7% rate of return, you have quite literally saved your life 10 years. Because if that means you can retire 10 years earlier, that's 10 more years for you to do something that doesn't mean going to the office 40, 50 hours a week. So... That is a long and short of why I elect to invest in real estate. It's because of the higher rates of return. And people can say what they want about some of the sales pitchiness that comes with it, but I think there's you have to account too for the sales pitchiness that comes with the stock market. I mean, everybody out there is selling something, but I feel like the stock market sales kind of get a pass because they're so ubiquitous and they're so much everywhere. I mean, everybody's selling you stocks in the U.S. Your parents, most likely, your teachers, most likely, your coaches, most likely, the managers at your job, your boss, the news is, is it doesn't mean they're deliberately selling a specific stock portfolio, but when the news is overwhelmingly talking about stocks, that's an influence that is pushing you inevitably towards stocks. And unless you have a complete rejection of that and you're looking at that and you're like, well, this all makes me feel very uncomfortable and I'm not really understanding why this is considered normal to just stare at a TV all day and stare at all these stock numbers and have, have this whole computer room where a person has like six, seven, or eight computer screens that have all these stock informations flying through on it, you know, that's an awful lot of effort to ultimately get 7% optimistically. Whereas somebody instead can cut a check for fifty dollars to $100,000 or more and they put it into a passive deal with a syndicator that's been doing this for years and has been heavily vetted, and they show you everything that's going to happen with this deal. 
21%. And human beings being most afraid of change above all are most of us having been raised on stocks are going to be immediately afraid of a change in that regard to say, well, it's a 21% rate of return, but I'm not familiar with it. I don't know about it. I I was raised on stocks. This is just the way it, it is for me. You know, this is what I'm comfortable with. And that's not that's not good enough for at least some people that see these rates of return and they're like, well, I'm uncomfortable, but you know what? I'm still going to go out there and figure out something different that can get me a better rate of return. Because just for me personally, and bias household for sure, because I was taught about real estate from a young age, but I always had a very off feeling about stocks. It just didn't add up to me how heavily it was advertised to everybody, how all of these people, everybody was talking about it, and yet I didn't see any results from it. Why in the world is my friend's are my friends' parents talking about stocks and then they're a couple minutes later complaining about paying their taxes for their property that year? Like, that that didn't really add up to me as a little kid. And I, I'm sure I need to give kudos to, the, to some people that have made wealth in stocks, but I've, I've, to this day, have not met somebody that's done it. And... If somebody knows somebody that's done it and they literally have unlocked the secret to doing so consistently and reliably, you know, are you going to teach other people to do that? Are you going to keep that knowledge to yourself? What What are you going to do? I mean, what is really the secret to buying low and selling high in the stock market and hoping that it works out for you without insider trading and get getting thrown in jail like Martha Stewart? That's the part I don't get either. Because as I talk about, you get to analyze real estate deals to understand them inside and out before you invest. So you can know, hey, I'm going to purchase this house at this lower price because it needs a lot of rehab. Here's the rehab I need to put into it to get to this specific ARV after repaired value. When I do that, and it's going to be a rental, what's my rent rate going to be? With current interest rates right now, the margins for a lot of people are a little slimmer, for sure. But what is going to be your rent rate to make it a profitable deal and be competitive in the market? What's your cash flow going to be as a result after all expenses, including your principal and interest on the mortgage, your taxes and insurance, and your maintenance and vacancy? Which is why people want to make at least $300 in cash flow once everything is accounted for. And I've seen some much more massive cash flows out there as well. That's really why I have to say 300 is the minimum. So let's go ahead and switch gears and start going into the Tony Robbins content. We talk about change through Albert Einstein. We have to specifically talk about the limiting beliefs that I briefly mentioned at the beginning today. Because during day three, he has us write down three specific limiting beliefs. And one of the ones that he shared from somebody was 
the belief that success is for other people. And there's there's just this a, a family friend that literally told my dad that success was not meant for him, success is for other people. And said in a very jovial, friendly way, but it's just one of those things that you can't really forget about. Because when you sometimes wonder what are the challenges holding people back, that's going to be one of them. Why in the world are you giving full permission for all of these other people to be successful except for yourself? Because what you're saying is these other people get to be successful. I'm okay with that. They have my permission, but I'm not going to give myself permission to succeed. So I'm just going to not try and give up from the start. I don't think that's what you want if you're listening to the show and shows like it. We're at the halfway point, folks. We'll be right back. This is a TotalWealthAcademy.com radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. I will see you after the break. Stay tuned. There's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And that is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that is going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars over the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, attend our free sample class at TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. We're at the halfway point, so let me give my stock updates because finally I have good news for NASDAQ in the sense that for people that had been invested in 2022 and before, after experiencing the losses in 2022, have finally seen gains, epic gains of 0.11%. Pretty exciting. That's because after the losses of 2022 of 32.97%, NASDAQ since January 1st has made gains of 33.08%. So when you add those two things together for the average NASDAQ investor who's been in there for years, they're now back in the green at 0.11%. Beautiful. And of course, as I emphasize every single time, most people that are in NASDAQ did not decide to invest January 1st because not only most people are not doing that, most people have been in there for a while rather than new investors, but after you saw what happened in NASDAQ during 2022, is your instinct, well, most people's instinct to be like, now's the time to buy. And logically, if the strategy in stocks is to buy low and sell high, that should be your strategy. I mean, isn't that supposed to be what you're doing? Then you would have purchased more NASDAQ and you would have gotten a better rate of return. And if you were super fortunate and you said you weren't in NASDAQ at all before somehow and you at January 1st were like, okay, I think this is going to be the bottom of the barrel for NASDAQ in recent history, so let me go ahead and take this risk and invest now. And then you would have made that 33%, which is spectacular. That's a very, very good result. 
But for the average person, that has not been the experience. The average person was invested in NASDAQ before, but now they're finally back in the green at 0.11%. S&P is gaining this year. They're at 12.41. So after last year, they're at a negative 5.7. Dow Jones has a positive return um, after last week's negative return of 1.29% this year. So they're now at negative 7.49. So with all of these net rates of return, we're not looking at something that can retire people. If I was looking at the 7% consistently, that took a full 21 years to get to a million bucks. If you're making negative, you're not going anywhere, obviously. You're going to be losing money. And if you're making 0.11%, you're not going to get to a million bucks in a human lifetime. And again, the average is 6 to 7%. So this is one of those times when we're seeing market challenges. And there was that blurb that was before my show that talked about market uncertainty. And they're talking about a recovery as if there's been a substantial down market, which is just to me another way the conversation is in denial about it because we haven't we just haven't had a major adjustment after 2020 to make up the difference of the fact that the stock market has had the biggest gains in stock market history ever since that mini crash of covid when it started we had that initial response there was a short crash and then everything shot back up like crazy because people lost their minds with COVID. And I'm starting to look at it as for what it is. It was a collective insanity for people to go out and buy the houses the way they did. And it was a collective insanity for people to decide that just because they needed a home office or whatever it was, they finally said, they're like, okay, COVID's around, the world is in pandemic mode. And I guess it's now or never for us to get the dream house. And this is I'm talking about people that are in their 30s and 40s that are probably going to be around for a very long period of time. And they decide to go out and get that house for 30, 40, 50,000 over asking. So you've got a balance that's that high over. So that has to be paid off even longer with more money out of your pocket every single month. And if there's going to be that massive crash, which I I still think there is going to be, whether you like it or not, those people, once those prices collapse, are going to be very much underwater on those mortgages. Kind of similar to what happened in 2008 and 9, but in a different way. And I just, I don't see why we have to keep saying that it's not going to be that bad or we're in recovery now. I don't, I'm not seeing that information adding up to that. Because with those extremely high gains, the market is basically obligated to crash just as hard. And I'm not going to be hedging my bets on the investments that don't protect me in both the down markets and the up markets. That's not my strategy. 
I want to be in investments that make money in both the up and down markets like rental real estate, especially when rental real estate rent collections typically are easier during down markets because people are getting laid off and people are getting pay cuts. Rental real estate is awesome in the up market because there's always going to be renters. Um, and this is something that boggles my mind personally, but some people do not want to own their own home. And I think most people listening to the show right now are, you're probably somebody that owns your own home or, or wants to own it if you don't already. And that idea probably doesn't make any more sense to you than it does to me. But at this point, I've talked to many people that have no interest in owning their home. And I don't understand that because you have to live somewhere. You have to spend money on where you live. That's the exchange that we've decided to create in a cash-based, money-based economy. And owning your own place of living radically reduces your expenses. Is your initial payment much higher? <laughs> Absolutely. Because if you're going to go 20% in up front, like you should, to not have private mortgage insurance, then it's going to be a much higher out-of-pocket. But your costs over the long run, even just over a year, are going to make a very substantial difference. When instead of paying rent rates of, I mean, these days, $2,000 a month to $2,500 a month when you could most likely get that mortgage itself around fifteen, sixteen hundred. I mean, that's hundreds of dollars of savings each month. Not to mention the fact that when you sell the house, you're going to be making a profit from it. So that has to be accounted for too. You're not going to make any money when you move out of your apartment. You're not going to be making any money when you move out of the house that you rent. So those people are not giving themselves the advantage of home ownership. And I've heard of multiple reasons why people do that. They say, well, I don't want to be tied down to a certain place. I want to be able to move. I want to have the freedom to go anywhere I want at any time. And that doesn't make any sense either because you signed a lease for like a year and the people that have said that have been in the place they've lived for years to begin with. So that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you're actually reducing your freedom by doing that, by taking those actions. You're compromising your financial future because you're actually not looking at it in the long term. You're actually looking at it in the short term. And maybe some people are scratching their heads right now because they're wondering, why would I be telling people to own their home when I need renters to rent the properties that I own? and I'm involved with. Well, yeah, but I'm not going to tell people they should be renters forever. There's always going to be a renter's market. I'm not going to, but I'm not going to be the person that is the jackass and wants to tell people you should all, you should never worry about renting. Renting is great. It's perfect. Just because I have this paranoid fear that people aren't going to rent the properties because I'm being a jackass. You know, that that would be a wrong thing to say. That would be, 
an attempt to be deceptive and a very shallow, hollow, and obvious attempt at that. No, I'm telling people the truth, which is that you need to go out there and get your own property under your own name as soon as humanly possible. And as this COVID market has made it, it's pretty difficult for a lot of people. And the average American is has more household debt than ever before. When in the 1950s, people were buying houses for just over twice their annual income. That's what I talked about a couple months ago, where back in the 50s, people were buying this 1958 house for $11,990 when the average annual family income was right at $5,100. So they had to expend two times their annual income for the house. Today, the median home price in the U.S. is $346,900 with the median household income of just $70,784. So that means someone, the average American family, the median American income family, must spend five times their annual income to buy the house. So that means it's literally 2.4 times more difficult today to buy a house than it was in 1958. Like it or not, it's become more challenging. And that is the reality of living in a country that has an extremely high demand for nice houses and people love moving here and getting the best possible deals in the best cities. Living in Houston is very, very competitive in terms of pricing because our median house price is right at two hundred and seventy-five, so that's seventy right at seventy-five thousand dollars less than the nationwide median, despite being in a major city as big as Houston. But you have to understand that getting into the house is going to be better for you in the long run versus renting. Always, so do not shoot yourself in the foot by sticking with renting for the long run. Don't be the person that's in their 60s and 70s that's still renting because they never decide to pull the trigger and commit to their own personal residence. We'll be right back with the Total Wealth Academy radio show for the final segment as we continue. Tony Robbins, y'all stay tuned. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. And getting back into the Tony Robbins, we definitely went on a bit of a tangent there as I wanted to continue our Tony Robbins, but hey, that is kind of the point of this radio show. We are going to be discussing a whole lot of different things, and as I start to think about them, I'm going to give my thoughts about them to the fullest extent that I can. So... This first belief that we talked about is the successes for other people 
I'm not going to be successful. And ultimately, one of the things that makes me pretty dang conservative is the fact that I think that people can make a difference in their life financially and raise themselves up from different classes if they decide to do that work. And sometimes that means doing things that are very different than what they've learned growing up. That class ability to transition between them, I suppose, makes me that way. That technically makes me on the conservative side in that regard. But I think that's one of the most important things about a healthy economy for a healthy country is that you have to make sure that people can work hard, take responsibility for their lives, and they can upgrade their status in life without being hindered by unreasonable red tape or unfair laws that only benefit people that already have wealth. So when people get stuck on this idea that success is for other people, most commonly, or at least most famously, historically, people have gotten the idea that it's only for people that already have it. And I understand why the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, but to say that you will never be successful simply because somebody else is already successful themselves doesn't really add up and doesn't do much besides shoot somebody in the foot metaphorically. When somebody believes that they'll never, never be successful, they're going to have what I like to call opportunity avoidance. So your beliefs define your fears, and your fears are going to push you away from doing certain things. So if you believe that success is for somebody else, you could have a golden opportunity presented to you on the metaphorical golden plate, and you don't take advantage of it because you're afraid of it because you believe that that is for somebody else. Opportunity avoidance means that people are going to look at these opportunities as they come up and they're going to wonder, oh, is it the right time? Am I ready for this? Is the market in the right condition? You know, you have a golden opportunity to purchase a piece of real estate, but then you hear that news article at the back of your mind that says interest rates are high. And it said somewhere down the line in like one sentence in one paragraph that landlords are making less cash flow right now when they were purchasing rental property. So you're like, no, I'm going to wait. I'm going to, I'm going to wait until the interest rates go down to the ultra low rates that they were in the middle of COVID, which is, you know, one of the reasons that the COVID response in our country was pretty okay. Um, you do have to remember though, and I don't think a lot of people know this or want to remember this or think about it, but we had over a million people pass away from the dang disease. And in a nation of over 300 million people, that's right at 0.33% of everybody. And I think we played around with that a little bit too much. We didn't we didn't really take it as seriously as it should have been taken, in my opinion. But the opportunity avoidance in there is you're looking at the interest rates and they're not you didn't buy during COVID or what was your excuse during COVID then? 
Because what I heard whenever 2020 was here is people were like, oh, the real estate is so expensive. People are just buying it up and they're, they're paying way over asking price. Even though this person was completely ready for it, they were just looking at the fact that people were buying over asking. They weren't actually seriously looking. That was their excuse to not seriously look. So it's like, okay, here's this transitional phase that we see where the market is cooling down. It's not crazy COVID 2020, 2021 days. Okay, so now you're you're ready to go, right? Then it's no, the interest rates are high. So what's it going to be next? What's going to be the excuse next time? You could literally have the perfect market condition, the perfect house, the perfect opportunity, and someone would still pass on it because they have this belief that somebody else's success is for them, but success is not for themselves. So this belief is definitely one of the most destructive out there. I think that everybody has a version of success that they can create for themselves. And I think something that people get hung up on is the idea that when somebody says anybody can be successful like myself, that everybody gets to be a billionaire. Well, I don't really think that's how that works. And I don't think everybody wants to be a billionaire. I think most people, if they could snap their fingers, would have a billion dollars. But having a billion dollars and literally having the billion dollars are two different stories if you catch my meaning. Because you can't have your cake and eat it too. In the sense that if you want to have that billion dollars, you're going to have to have a whole lot of things to do to keep that billion dollars and make sure it's managed effectively and you don't throw it all away sooner than you expect. And in real life, when people get a billion dollars, it's not because they win the lottery. You talk about that on the news a lot, and you hear that on the news because that's an extreme example of an extreme exception. A lot of people throw that money away. It's A lot of people are able to be successful with it, apparently, but a lot of people, as the story goes, do throw it away. But to get to a billion dollars, you'd have to do something like Jeff Bezos where you create a giant company that is Amazon, and that requires a lot of dang work. And I'm not saying that Jeff has got elbow grease going on every day and he's laboring somewhere 8 to 10 hours or more every day, like in a coal mine or anything like that. But to get to that point, he had to do a very particular set of things. The billionaire's mindset. And I think ultimately people don't really want to be billionaires or necessarily multimillionaires. I think most of us are looking for a level of financial independence that simply lets us have our own dang time. And I think that might seem obvious to some people, but I think a lot of us are stuck on this idea that we have to be this extraordinarily wealthy person or else we're not successful. I don't think wealth in and of itself is the main goal for the vast majority of people once they really start to look at it. Because it's ultimately not one of my ultimate goals. It's a means to an end. 
to my substantial goals of having a high-quality, long-term relationship for the rest of my life with the woman that I'm with, of raising a family, of providing them what I think that they need, of giving them some of the opportunities that I did not necessarily have and some of the support that I wanted that I want to give them that I did not necessarily have to make a difference in other people's lives and make the world a better place in my own way to give back and impact the world and move it in a positive direction. When there are a lot of people out there that are pushing it in the wrong direction, that have done that throughout history. And like it or not, with the way that the economy works, cash is king, money is king. It's not an exchange economy anymore. It hasn't been that way for thousands of years. So money is the way it works. If you want to pay for someone's college, you need the money. If you want that house, you need the money. If you want to pay for the experiences that you have with your significant other, you need the money to do that. It's a means to an end, not the end in and of itself for the vast majority of people, and certainly not myself. So we are actually concluding day three in Tony Robbins. We will just touch base on day four and expand on that next week. The final day in Tony Robbins. Um, I've started doing this really since I got back in November when we had this UPW in West Palm Beach, Florida at the beginning of November 2022. So it's been a long time coming, but looks like we are actually at the end of our show. So... I will actually need to be getting started on day four next Wednesday. So everybody, we will be back on the air next Wednesday. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. It's been great talking with y'all today. I hope y'all have a great rest of your day. We will go into day four of Tony Robbins, creating the power of your new identity. I will see y'all next Wednesday. Take care. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.